from Relay FM. Welcome to the 10th annual Upgradies Awards. This evening's proceedings are brought to you by our broadcast partners, Electric, Text Expander, Factor, and Vitaly, Simulcast from London, England, and Mill Valley, California. I am one of your hosts, Mike Hurley, and joining me is my co-host and yours, Jason Snell. Jason, welcome back to the Upgradies. Thank you, Mike Hurley. It's a delight to be back. It's hard to believe it's the 10th annual Upgradies. It's hard to believe that just 10 years ago, well, nine years ago, I guess. This is the 10th. We're starting our 10th year. Just nine years ago. It's easy to believe 10. Just nine years ago, you tried to call it the first annual Upgradies. So, um, I was laughed out of the podcast. And now look at us now. You know? Look at us now. Look at us now. Who would have thought? Look at us now. But here we are. So mm-hmm. I will mention right now, you can go to, just go to Upgradies.com where you will find the winners of all previous Upgradies and all of the what will be by the end of this evening, the all 10 Upgradies. Now, in many award shows, there are the pre-awards, the pre-show awards that happened before, yes. sometimes referred to as the technical awards. And I would like to, if you would uh, give us a moment, I would like to honor our technical award winners for the Upgradies. I just, it's funny, I was watching a video this weekend mm-hmm. um, in which Alex Horn, the co-host of the wonderful series Taskmaster, mm-hmm. was on uh, the Great British Bake- Baking Show, a, uh, a charity version of it. And they were doing the technical challenge and he asked the, I thought, very perceptive question, is anything positive when described as technical? Right? Because, and I think that this is true, that most most of the things when it's like, it's it's technically technical, it's not actually positive. It, it's it's a negative. But you know what is? The technical awards. The technical mm. awards are positive because uh, they're just awarding people for doing uh, great technical things. Indeed. So we have, te- this is the first time we're doing this, but I thought we have our technical award winners. Okay. For web design of Upgradies.com, Zach Knox. For artwork, J.D. Davis. For music, the one and only Chris Breen. Of course. For audio editing, Jim Metzendorf. Mm-hmm. Video editing, Chip Suddeth. And for social media, Jamie, Jamie Snell. <laughs> yep. Yep. No nepotism yep. around here. Just a well-won award. No, these are, well, I mean, they're really just a clever way of doing the credits, but it, it, we're getting to the end of the year, so thank you to everybody who makes the upgradees and upgrade possible yes. every week. Should we get to our very first category? Let's do it. We are going to start with best overall iOS app. Mm-hmm. I will start off from the Upgradians votes, as we do every year. So we put out the call a number of weeks ago to the Upgradians to vote and make their nominations known. With 5.9% was flighty. was Ivory, and 9.1% was Carrot Weather. I love the choices by the Upgradians here, Mm -hmm. um, because I agree with all of them. Yep. Those are great apps. All of them are great. I struggle with this category because, first off, we've covered a lot of these my favorite apps before. And I try to think at least a little bit in that Eddie Award view of sort of like what was done, what was done recently. Um, you know, Ivory is basically new, although, I mean, it was Tweetbot, sort of, but it, not really. And I think I'm gonna, I mean, I'm torn between Flighty and Ivory, honestly. I think, though, I, like, last year we gave the award to Flighty. Flighty mm-hmm. is a, not cheap, but excellent, excellent 
travel app, flight tracking app for when you're traveling. And they added, I mean, they had a they had a great year last year. And then this year they added more features. They just kept piling it on. Like, I cannot believe how much more they added this year. There's a watch complication. Um, there's, I just, I, and I use it all the time. Whenever I travel, I use it. I rely on it. And I, and every detail is immaculate. Like it is in a lot of ways, the, I don't know if it's the platonic ideal of an iPad or an iPhone app, but like pretty close, pretty close. It is an app, you know, you get those apps in some niches and you're like, you know, this is good and it's useful and it's functional, but the developers have obviously compromised or they've done something because it's cross-platform or they just didn't have the time or they just don't get it. None of that is true with Flighty. They get it. All of it. So I think I'm going to say Flighty. What do you think? I look, I, I agree of all of the things that you said about Flighty, right? That it is, uh, we've already, we awarded it last year and it's an expensive app and it's an app for a very particular type of need. But I think the last year has excelled the application way past last time, right? Like our last awarding, like the, the addition, and I will add the addition of the Apple Watch app into kind of like iOS app because we don't have a watch app category, I think for good reason. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm going to put it all in here. And really, this, I think, is, to me, a no-brainer. I think the app has come along leaps and bounds this year by adding that app, by improving live activities, by improving widgets. Um, I think it was this year that they added the friends flight feature as well, where you can track friends flights and also share with specific people that every flight go like every flight say me and you were to share with each other every flight you or mm-hmm. i take we'd each other see automatically without any sharing needed like to me this is a this is a pretty clear one that i i would say that flighty is the winner this year yeah the, the one feature of flighty that i used um at thanksgiving that just blew me away is you can put in friends flights and mark them as friends flights and you get different notifications mm-hmm. and it's in a different place than your flights but there's also a today view and so on Thanksgiving, on the day before Thanksgiving, I was able to track my daughter flying in from Portland, my son flying in from Eugene, yep. my uh, sister-in-law flying in from Fresno, uh, all to Denver, our flight from Oakland, and actually my mother-in-law's flight the day before was was in there too from uh, Orange County. And, and so on the day, I was able to actually see everybody's status at a glance, in addition to getting all my flight info and having the live activity and having the watch app and the and the the complication on the watch i was able to um at a glance see where everybody was and then going out on the saturday same thing in reverse i was able to see where everybody was going what gate they were who was leaving first who needed to get out now who was delayed just i mean and i know there are lots of apps that do this but like the the detail of the work that flighty does is also pretty impressive so i think i think it needs to be a repeat winner honestly yeah it's uh it's just an app is continuing to improve. I don't know how much better they can make it. And like also, like at this point, the 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 subscription that we mentioned, I also really like that they have uh, passes that you can just buy. Like, I want it for a week or something like that, or a, a selection of flights instead of like just paying an annual fee. I pay an annual subscription because I use it enough, and I think yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So, the best overall iOS app of. 2023 is Flighty, bringing them to two total wins in this category. 
And good. that means one away from a Lifetime Achievement Award. So we will move on now to the best newcomer iOS app. Last year, the winner was Sticker Drop, which might be the fastest uh, to Sherlocking that I, th- I think we may uh, have seen, uh, mm-hmm. because now this is just just really just a feature of iOS, uh, but it was mm-hmm. wonderful at the time. Um, unfortunately, it is a feature of iOS now. Yes. yes. Well, I like it. Done, but... I like the sticker part. The the reactions part is the is the part that's yeah. Having easy access to stickers is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the emojis should be in the tab backs, and that's just the bottom line. But yes, that was last year, and this year, you know, sorry, sticker drop. Not going to win this year. The Upgradians voted with eight point two percent for Threads, twenty two point one percent for Call Sheet. And twenty four point two percent for ivory. What are your uh, What do you bring into the table, Jason? Well, I like call sheet and ivory. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to bring two to the table. I'm going to bring ivory. So, I was always a Twitterific person, and somebody was asking me the other day about about not being on Twitter anymore, and I said, you know, I don't want to be on twitter anymore and the only part of twitter that i'm really on anymore is i literally have a link to my list of sports media because the sports media people are still there and they have not gone somewhere else it is still the best place for me to see that stuff but that's it and i see it in a, in a bookmark in a in a web browser window and then i close the window and that's mm-hmm. my interaction with twitter now but the truth is the thing that prompted me to pull back from twitter was uh, predated the continuing problems of Twitter and its owner really was they killed the third-party clients. And that, that means they killed Tweetbot, but they also killed Twitterific, which was my favorite app, probably my most used app of all time. And then one day it just stopped working. It was brutal, just brutal. They just turned it off. We all knew it was coming. It was probably the right business decision. It's a rare, actually, probably right business decision, although I would argue that they should have they could have used it to their advantage, but they didn't want to do that. Okay, whatever. Um, so even though I'm not a Tweetbot person, when the Mastodon clients were all being built, there were a lot of them. Um, a bunch of them are good. A bunch of them are not good. And Ivory came out, and it is the most polished, I would argue, and it certainly um, fits the way that I think about using social media. So I... Love it. And I use it all the time. Um, although I would say I use it a lot less than Twitterific because I'm using social media a lot less than I used to. But I still am using Ivory. And I will say the reason that I am more engaged on Mastodon than I am on other social media is entirely down to the fact that Ivory is excellent on the iPad and the Mac. And most of those other social medias are excellent on the iPhone. And then on the Mac and on the iPad, you kind of have to put it in a web browser. And it's just not as good. So I like Ivory. I also want to throw in a word for an app I reviewed, an app I tried. Uh, Final Cut Pro for the iPad came out this year. And it's good. They did a good job. I was very impressed with it. It is Final Cut Pro. It is really functional. If you want to cut a video on an iPad... You can do it, and, and it works. I was very impressed. I was less impressed with Logic, although they made some changes there. 
Uh, but it's fundamentally a music app, and that's of less interest to me. But the Final Cut Pro implementation on iPad, I really liked, so I want to give it a shout out. What about you, Mike? Okay, so I, I maybe I'm going to say something controversial about Ivory. So I use Ivory. It is my Mastodon app of choice. I struggle to award it Best Newcomer because it's TweetBot. I know they've done because a lot to on. change it. I know, and it's been adapted and da 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 but it started out as TweetBot, and, and I feel like other applications that could win this award did not start brand new, quote-unquote, with 10 years' worth of code-based work, right? It's true. Because for me, my favorite app this year is Callsheet, and I know Casey is one of my best friends, but Callsheet yep. is excellent. Now, if you want to check, check my creds, I have not awarded this to Casey's previous apps, right? It's not like I'm just giving this to him because he's my friend. Gorshi is one of the best apps that I've used this year, easy. The design is really good. I think it is an excellent use of the way that, a, that stock design can be adapted today, right? That like he's using a lot of standard elements, but he's also sprinkling in his own touches. There are, and talking about touches, there are so many little details. Like the easy one to mention that everybody mentions, but it's great, is that you have the ability. Core Sheet, by the way, in case you don't know, it is an application that is used for looking up information about TV shows, movies, actors, directors, that kind of yeah. thing. So, replacement for services like IMDb. Me and Casey had used the IMDb app for years. We used to speak about it a lot. Neither of us really liked the app. He decided he was going to fix that and he made Core Sheet. Um, but one of the great features in Koshi is you want to look up a TV show, but you want a specific piece of information about it. You can uh, turn on a, a spoiler warning, basically, which will hide all the like how many episodes there are, the titles of episodes. So you could like go in and just check something about the first episode or whatever without spoiling it for yourself, which is mm. fantastic uh, because I know I have spoiled myself and stuff like this all the time because you're like watching season. What do you one. mean he's only in one episode? Exactly. What do you, yeah? What do you mean he's only in season one? Yep. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Koshi is superb. I would mention the um, the age feature is is brilliant too, yep. where you're you're looking up not only like who is that person, but like how old were they when they made this movie. He knows you are thinking that, and so the app will say that they were 24 when this movie was made. It's like, oh, wow, they look they look younger or older or whatever, right? Yep, you can very easily pin items if you want to, so you can kind of use the app as a simple like this is what I want to watch. Um, kind of application if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for and you don't use another app to do that something like so for a sequel uh and i i just think it's really great like th this is one of my favorite apps of the year um and i think that it does a really good job of doing what it should do and lives up to the the premise and the promise that, that casey set out to which is like mm. create something simple to get the information that you're looking for well I was thinking I was just going to um, push this through on Ivory, but I think you're right that that although Ivory is an impressive app, it's basically a uh, a runner up in the in in multiple categories probably. But uh, I I I hear your words uh, about a call sheet being completely new, and even though we know Casey, like it's it's a really good app. I have I have recommended it to friends who have come back to me later without prompting and said, oh my God, that app is so great. 
uh, which I think says something about that app. So sure, let's do it. Worthy winner of the best newcomer iOS app this year is Call Sheet. See, I feel like there was a better case for Ivory and best overall, to be honest, than in best new. Yeah, you should you should have warned me that this was coming, but it's too late now. That's not how these awards go, you know what I mean? Nope, that's not how they go. They're, <laughs> they're very linear. That's mm-hmm. how they go. This episode is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into something that is small to something that is much larger takes tons of work. You have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level. But this can be super hard when your attention is being pulled in different directions. Because that is the reality of leading a business. The team over at Electric know that small businesses like yours face these challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with the time-consuming parts of your business. Stuff that you could do, but maybe don't want to do, or things that you just have no idea how to handle effectively. Things like standardized device security that feature best-in-class device management, so you can implement best practices across the board to be ready to scale. Or employee onboarding or offboarding. Electric do it for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications all in one place with simplified reporting that allows you to achieve and maintain compliance also with proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows to make it easy to manage for even non-technical users. If you are hearing this and think that your company could use some of these services but you're not sure how to get started, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. This kind of stuff, it's not the kind of thing that I would want to do with my team. Like I would want to use a company, a set of tools, a set of processes that I know I can rely on. That is what Electric provide. So you're making sure that you're doing it right you're doing it efficiently and saving yourself time. For upgrade listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash upgrade. That's electric.ai slash upgrade. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so our next award is for the best overall Mac app. Last year, Audio Hijack picked up the win and a Lifetime Achievement Award. The Upgradians voted with 4.1% for Bartender, 5.1% for Obsidian, and 5.3% for Mimestream. Yeah, this is a tough one. So Mimestream came out in as a 1.0 this year, mm-hmm. but had been in beta last year and in fact won our newcomer award last year, which made us have that whole question of like, is it a newcomer if it's not out yet? But it really was out. Well, the funny thing, Jason, uh, it won the newcomer award in 2021 and 2022. Oh, it was, t- it was two years in a row. So technically it could win newcomer for a third time. Oh, I'm excited about that. <laughs> and and be in the newcomer Hall of Fame now for being a newcomer three years in a row because it just come out and then it was in beta and now it's well, a it 1.0. I'm excited <sighs> about the possibility for that. However, I will pull myself up and say that that feels unfair to Ivory for what I said about Ivory to then give the same app three times in, uh, in a row. Yeah, it, it it is. So so um. Mindstream is great. It is a great Mac app. In fact, one of the things that I love about it, and I know we've talked about this the last few years in the newcomer category, is I used, so it's a Gmail client. I used Mailplane for a long time, which was literally a web view of Gmail, but 
with Mac stuff injected into it. So like you could do drag and drop of attachments and, and like the keyboard shortcuts made it be like a Mac app. So it was like this really amazing kind of what if we took Gmail and put enough Mac stuff around it that it felt like you weren't using a browser window anymore quite close, but not quite. And you get the advantages of all the speed and the features of Gmail. Mimestream, uh, written by Neil Mimestream, uh, as we, as we do on this podcast, uh, Neil Mimestream used to be Neil Mail, Neil Apple Mail. He yeah. worked on Apple Mail. Um, uh, Neil Javeri, I think is his actual name. So, uh, he left and started a company and they said, we're going to build a Gmail client that is like, uh, a really good Mac client. And eventually they're probably going to do an iOS version, but a really good Mac client. That's a Mac app. And, and, and people who like me, who are predisposed to dislike Apple mail, cause I I've used it and I don't like it. You know, it throws off all of the stuff that I don't like about Apple Mail and actually just is good. And like, it's good. It is a good Mac app. There are so few like core, not utilities or anything, but like a core Mac app that does basic base level functionality and replaces the system app in a way that is dramatically better. And Mimestream does that. Now, it's not for everybody because it is at least at present just a Gmail client. But as somebody coming from Apple Mail and Mailplane, like I, I just uh, we gave it to newcomer awards. I, I it's a great, legitimately great Mac app. So I think it has to be in the consideration here, even though it's been much awarded because it is so very good. Again, in an era where there are not a lot of great Mac apps anymore, right? And the ones that are there, a lot of them are utilities, right? Because that's a thing that is a space where you can modify the Mac experience. That's a space that fits. Um, so I think it deserves serious consideration. The other apps that I think we should consider here are Bartender 5. Mm -hmm. Speaking of great Mac utilities, which lets you simplify and modify your menu bar on your Mac. And it's a, it's a venerable utility implied by the version 5, but big new features this year. Lots of more functionality and intelligence about it. Plus yep. working around Apple sort of trying to make it much harder. Some to theming bartender. settings, which yeah. are nice too. Some yeah. visual stuff. Um, and yep. Yeah. And I think once again, what Bartender did this year is found really elegant ways to work around new problems that were introduced by macOS changing. Because this is one of those Indeed. apps that is constantly playing reverse whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's the mole, isn't it? Yeah. Is it the mole? Yes. Apple, Apple yeah. keeps trying to, Apple, trying to whack it? Yes. All that, like, it's, it's Apple's doing things and it has to sneak around the hammer, you know? Like, Apple doesn't even know it's playing whack-a-mole, but they just... No, it's just a hammer that's hammering yes, other stuff hammering. and there's a mole living under there yes. being like, watch out, hammer. Yep. That's an interesting idea in whack-a-mole. Like, is the, is the native state of mac-a-mole, the natural state of whack-a-mole, that there's just a hammer that randomly appears <laughs> and the moles evolve to avoid it? Yep. And it's not trying to actually whack the moles? The, the, wha the a whacking of a mole is just an accident? Yep. Interesting idea, philosophically. The other thing I wanted to mention that is not purely a Mac technology or even an, a Mac app, and yet I'm going to mention it in this category because reasons, is OpenAI Whisper, which is the amazing mm. transcription engine that OpenAI built. It has been implemented in a bunch of different ways. Apple just released a version of it. There's a guy on GitHub who did a version in C++. There have been multiple Mac apps wrapped around it, including uh, Mac Whisper, but there are several. And it has 
been transformative for me on the Mac desktop this year. I just took the C++ version and put a shortcut around it, honestly. But there are also apps that do it. And as a technology, it's amazing. Now, as an app, it's not, right? It, it, it's inside other apps. But I want to mention it because as a technology running on Mac hardware with that Apple Silicon power, it's staggering how good it is. All right, so here's where I'm falling with this. MimeStream, I love MimeStream. But the fact that it only supports Gmail means that I can't actually use it for the majority of my email. Um, mm -hmm. And so I am hesitant personally to give it the best Mac app. Like, I love it as winning the newcomer app as it has done twice, obviously. We love that. But I feel like it still has a way to go for it to be mm -hmm. considered, in my mind, like the best app that it could possibly be. I'm okay giving this to Bartender 5. I mean, it, it's it's newness is mm -hmm. part of it, but also it is a a, a traditional Mac utility yeah. that is great at its job. Well, what I was, so here's what I was going to say. Bartender 1 in 2021. Okay. I would, my vote would go to Bartender. However, I just wanted to say, I have not used Whisper, but I benefit from yeah. Whisper because mm -hmm. people I know use it. It's also, like, for me, interesting in a way to award something like Whisper because it's what 2023 has been, right? Is these machine learning tools. Yeah. So, like, if you felt strongly enough about it that you would consider it a winner, I would be happy to award it that. It would be a little outside the box because what I would be doing is saying OpenAI Whisper is the winner because it feeds into some great Mac apps and other applications that you can build yourself using a script or shortcuts or whatever for the command line. Mm -hmm. And it takes full advantage of Apple hardware and the fact that Apple has now jumped on board and built their own implementation that's ac accelerated for Apple's frameworks. Um, I, I, I do think it's kind of great. And, and, you know, it's, it is the upgradies. We do wacky stuff. And our bartender won a couple of years ago. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's, put, let's give OpenAI Whisper um, an upgradey. Why not? So the winner of the 2023 upgrading for best Mac app is Whisper. Open AI Whisper. That's wild. And everybody that. and everybody who has an app that's based on Whisper, you can you can now say that you can't say that you want an upgrady, but you can say you use upgrady winning technology. Upgrady winning technology. And we'll give Bartender and Mimestream the runner up nods. Yeah. Sounds good. Best newcomer Mac app now. Uh, last year, Mimestream and was the, year the winner. Before. And the year before. Mm -hmm. We don't, <laughs> we don't talk about that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, love that, it. That was I love that. it. I love the chaos of it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, We're not bound by rules. No. There are no rules for the upgrades. No. There are literally no rules. We make them the up as we go along. And they, they're flexible. And then discard them as necessary. Yeah. That's the best way to do awards. That's how to do it. The Upgradians voted Bartender 5 at 4.4%. Mimestream at 13.8% uh -huh. and Ivory at 23.3%. Do you mind if I go first at this category? Please do. The, to me, this is where Ivory picks up the nod from me. Like, I think that this is the perfect place to put it um, because it is a new app, right? Like, for as much as we spoke about it earlier, like, it came from somewhere else, but it's a new app. And I would particularly highlight it here because i feel like at the time ivory on the mac came out like the, the desperation was real for a good mac mastodon client and 
I think Ivory has done the job for that. Where I feel like on the iPhone, the competition is much more varied and there are more really good competitors, at least at the time when Ivory was around, right? Like there were a bunch of apps that were popping up and they were they were doing a good job. But I feel like on the Mac version, uh, Ivory was was really needed and welcomed at the time that it arrived. I agree with you. I think I think our challenge here is that we've got an app that is sort of derived from a previous app. We've mm-hmm. got an app that is not a newcomer; just the new version five is new, and uh, and and then Mindstream is the app that is is new in a way, but also has won this category the last two years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, of of retreading going on in the newcomer Mac app category, which I think I feel like is kind of fitting. Um, yep. But there's a lot of good good Mac stuff. It's just there's some iteration going on here. I I fully endorse Ivory winning uh, an upgrade somewhere, yep. and I do use it on the Mac. And I agree, getting Mac apps for modern social media. Like I know everybody's really excited that there's this new feature in Sonoma where you can. Uh, I mean, you've been able to do this in third-party apps for a while, but like Safari will just let you set, say, you know, save threads out as an app, but it's really just a Safari window, and you can save Blue Sky out, which is nice. I'm like, I'm happy I can do that, but it's not ideal. No, it's not. It's not a. It's not a replacement for the Mac app. So yeah, let's give it to Ivory because I want to thank Tapbots for actually caring enough to make a Mac app. Yep. Um, they didn't have to, and I'm glad they did, and it's a good Mac app. Even though it is familiar to people who've used Tweetbot, it's not the same. And I'm so glad that it exists on the Mac. And I have it open on my Mac right now. Yep. So the winner of the 2023 upgrade for best newcomer Mac app is Ivory with Mimestream and Bartender 5 as runners-up. As we mentioned earlier, there is a full list of all the winners and runner-ups in every category over at Upgradies.com. We have a new category for this year, which we're calling Ooh. Best Feature. And each year, Jason and I will decide which Apple platform feature do we want to highlight for this category. And this year, we chose widgets. And a year where widgets found their way to the Mac, became interactive, and became a pivotal focus of watchOS, we wanted to award widgets. Uh, so developers who have made good widgets, we wanted to to note them. The Upgradians voted in this category with 5.2% for Widgetsmith, 5.8% for Fantastical, and 15.7% for Carrot Weather. Huh. Well, my nomination in this category is Flighty. Interesting. I enjoy Flighty's widgets and I use them and I find them valuable. They're They're... They could be more dynamic. Uh, they're doing a lot of work in the dynamic island and in in live activities, and, and on the Apple Watch in the complications. Right, they're they're like kind of all around it. Their widgets are okay. They're sort of countdown and then current time and and location. Um, it's not their strength, but I do like them and I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, the other ones that are in this category, I feel like you are are ready to anticipate because I can see what you mm-hmm. are going to say because uh, I I can see into the future. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead? Because I, I, I'm I'm in line with your yeah. uh, picks here anyway. I like Flighty's widgets, but their live activity work and complication work is superior to their widgets. It's superior. Because it that's is. just more helpful for the type yeah. of app that it is. My nods are for the Home App widget, which is just 
awesome and I use it every day and I'm so happy they did it because we spoke about it on the show just before it happened, the control center version where it's trying to guess what you want is no good. And if you have used the widget and you're like, well, that just does the same. If you long press on the widget, you can turn off a toggle, which allows you to switch from a recommended system to just choosing your own scenes and items that you would like to just be in Apple's home widget. And then I want to give a nod to Widgetsmith because, look, Widgetsmith is the king of widgets anyway. Um, and David Smith does such a good job. I feel like this is one where I don't need to make the disclaimer that David's my friend because, like, everyone on the planet uses Widgetsmith. Um, so, but what I think David did a really great job of this year, as he is want to do, is to take something new and do something with it that nobody else is doing. And some of the stuff that he's done with interactive widgets are incredible. Like the man built, rebuilt CoverFlow inside of a widget so you can scroll through yeah, your albums. Just because he could. But my favorite thing that he did is quite simple but can be quite powerful depending on how you use it is the ability to kind of stack widgets on top of each other within one widget. So something that I loved about um, Widgetsmith and something I'd used for a long time was the countdown widget. So if I had a big event going on in my life or a vacation, I would set up a countdown and you could add an image. So I would put an image of the place that I was going to or something. But you always had to pick the right image so the text worked correctly. Now you don't need to worry about it. Pick what whatever image you want. And then when you tap it, the widget slides up and shows you the countdown to your event. Just little things like that. Widgetsmith continues to be incredible and the interactivity has only taken it a step further this year. So for my money, the best widgets go to Widgetsmith. See, we, we swear we did not create this category just to give an award to Widgetsmith. We really didn't. But is, it's not a surprise that an app entirely devoted to widgets is doing the best at widgets. And so I agree with you. Let's give it to Widget Smith. So I just wanted to make a couple of other statements about this because I would want to put Home and Flighty yep. as the runners-up. And my mm -hmm. reasoning for this, so we've got Carrot Weather and Fantastic Owls voted for by the Upgradians. This is very interesting to me. So Fantastic Owl and Carrot Weather have great widgets. I don't feel that these are versions of applications that have done a great job of interactivity, which in my mind is the kind of thing we're focusing on this time yeah flighty doesn't really have great interactivity either though in their widget okay um the yeah i'm trying to think of of great interactive widgets and there are some out there there are not as many that at least that i've used well i would say though that like carrot just has really good widget like if we're gonna say like who's got the best widgets out of all of these ones let's say carrot is the runner-up yeah. there because carrot's okay. widgets are very good they're always very good but not not necessarily very good interactivity-wise. Mm. But super good. So super the good. best widgets, best feature widgets was, goes to Widgetsmith with Home and Carrot Weather as our runners-up. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to waste time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want directly at your fingertips so you're able to get your work done faster and more efficiently. That is why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. 
TextExpander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a couple of keystrokes and TextExpander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and so much more right within TextExpander and they're with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by automatically adding in dates, uh, fields that you can fill in the blanks of, timestamps, and so much more to make sure that you're keeping the personality in the communication you send. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. It is used extensively here by the team at RelayFM. I was just on a call with Stephen and Carrie before we recorded Upgrade today, and I asked Carrie a question, and she went, let me check that, and I heard the sound of Text Expander in the background as she was pulling up the copy that we needed for another sponsor. They're the best. We love Text Expander for what they do for us. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at TextExpander.com dot com slash upgrade and you will get twenty percent off your first year. That's TextExpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to TextExpander for their support of this show and Relay FM. It is time to award the upgradey for game of the year. It's goatee oh. time, everybody. My favorite Mike's category. Favorite category. Last year was Marvel Snap. Snap. Yeah. I have one. a word about Marvel Snap okay. because I just took your word for it last year. You made a great case for mm-hmm. Marvel Snap and how much you liked it and how fun it was. And I just want to I just want to say now kind of moving retroactively, the game I played the most this year by far was Marvel Snap. Right. So, so you, thanks. You endorsed the 2022 upgrade for Marvel Snap. I endorse the upgradees about Marvel Snap. I love it. It's great. Um and I'll, I'll throw out there also, not quite an app, but Puzmo launched, mm. which is Zach Gage's web-based puzzle page, basically, with lots of familiar Zach Gage games and other games. And they they are now owned. They got bought by Hearst. So they're integrating it with the Hearst newspapers, like the San Francisco Chronicle uh, and the, the Houston Chronicle. And um, that's also really great, even though it's not, you know, it's just a game, right? This is a platform independent. It's just a bunch of puzzles and they're great. Um, so I want to mention those. But now I hand the floor over to the host of the Upgradies Game of the Year, Mike Hurley. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with the Upgradians votes. 7% for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Baldur's Gate 3, 8.9%. And a, third, a whopping 30.5% was The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And let me tell you, the Upgradians, they are gamers with taste, Jason Snell, because they pick correctly. I'm now, sure. Let me say, these three games here, interchangeable as game of the year, depending on where you're coming from, honestly. Like, I've played mm-hmm. all of them. I could see it. For me, I would put Spider-Man 2 above Baldur's Gate 3. I think Baldur's Gate is an incredible achievement. And I would say 60% of the game is incredible. And I feel like 30% of the game starts to get a bit weird and slow. And I have yet to finish it because it keep, I feel like it keeps pushing me away from wanting to play. Ah. Spider-Man 2, unbelievable. Like, in a year without Tears of the Kingdom, this is an easy game of the year for me. I loved it. Like, there was a point playing this game where I was like, is this my favorite game of the year? And it's just difficult for it to hold um the level that it was at i think for an entire game experience where legend of zelda tears of the kingdom had a almost insurmountable task which was how do you best maybe the best game ever made and it did it 
And it did it by adding in incredible new mechanics, by expanding the world significantly, and layering on top of it a beautiful story. And for me, the only mark that I had against Breath of the Wild was that there was not a coherent, good story told in the game, and they crushed it with Tears of the Kingdom. This is my new favorite game of all time, and is therefore the 2023 winner for Game of the Year. Do-do-do. Sounds great. It's so good, man. I know, I know, uh, you didn't play Breath of the Wild, or, or did you? No. No. I'm a, I'm not a, a person who plays. My son is it feeds me all of these things, but yeah. I'm just not. Like, when I was sick last week, I played the first level of the original um, Spider-Man game. Yeah. And that was f- fun, but even even then... It was fun, but there's just so much like button mashing, and yeah. it's just is not uh, my my brain doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, and I and I was on easy, on easiest. I would say though, as an opener, that's hard. Like it's quite a hard opener. I, I think in in the first game they did not balance the opening well. Where the opening right. to Spider Man Two is the best opening of any video game I've ever played. It nice. is. Unbelievable! Nice. Genuinely, it looks and feels like you're playing a movie. Like it's—I've never seen anything like it. And cool. basically, you know, one of the big things for them is this game was just developed for the PlayStation Five. Like it was not right. developed for the PlayStation Four, and so they were able to really take advantage of what the PlayStation Five is capable of, and it showed. I love hearing about these. I mean, the truth—the truth is, I think the truth is that my entertainment choices are books and movies and TV shows. Yeah. And I try to think of like, when would I play games? And the other thing is, I do, other than reading books, which I tend to do sort of like as I'm going to bed, the movies and TV shows I do with Lauren. And um, video game, like I can never find the time to go off by myself. I, I just, I never can. To be like, I'm just going to go play a video game. You do something else. Especially since I already do that sometimes with podcasts. Like, mm. there's enough of that already. So, I just never find the time. And and when it's like this amount of time that, to play some of these games, it's just like it, it never happens for me. So, I'm not... I, I always am an aspirational gamer. I have bought so many games. And I, I, I almost never play them. Yep. So, that's just, that's just my life. Understood. All right. So... For the next category is favorite movie. Hey, speaking of movies. Last year was Turning Red, which is coming mm-hmm. to the cinemas next year, and I'm going to go see it. It is, in, in January, I think, yeah. I want to go see yeah, it. Yeah, great movie. Really great movie. For this year, the Upgradians voted 14.7% for Barbie, mm-hmm. 18% for Oppenheimer, and 18.7% mm-hmm. for The Dark Horse, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. Good job, Upgradians. Mm-hmm. And I, when I look at your choices here, they're the same. Yeah. the Upgradians. You're right in line. Yeah. My my three nominations are these three exact movies, and mm-hmm. they are coming from very different places. So like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. So Oppenheim is the best movie I saw this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Verse 2 was just amazing i loved it mm-hmm. and barbie was the most fun i had in the cinema this year mm-hmm. um like if i was to rank them i probably would go oppenheimer barbie spider-verse like that's would be yep. my my ranking uh what is your favorite movie of the year 
Oppenheimer was my favorite movie of the year. It's pretty good. Hands down. I love Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I really did. Um, I didn't mind that it has a cliffhanger at the end because I knew going in that they yes. were doing two movies and it felt very clear that they were going to lead up to a cliffhanger and I was fine with that. And the fact that they, you talk about topping Breath of the Wild. Um, how do you follow Breath of the Wild? Well, how do you follow the first Spider-Verse movie? which was a beautiful thing unto itself that just, it stands alone and is beautiful. And one, I would argue one of the great animated films of all time. Yeah. How do you follow that? And the answer is they followed it with something that's pretty great. And, and does it match up? I don't know because the story isn't done yet, but it certainly didn't make me feel like they let me down. In fact, it felt like they were trying to shift into another gear and be more ambitious, which is what you should do after you make a movie that's ambitious and successful like the first one. So I really admire it. I think it's really great. Um, but I thought Oppenheimer was the best movie I saw this year. I just, and I've read a lot about that era. Um, I read the making of the atomic bomb a couple of years ago. Um, I actually read the Oppenheimer biography after I saw it. Um, and I, re I was like, Oh, that's why there are all these scenes with Robert Downey Jr. In there. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think they were that interesting in the book, actually. But in the movie, Christopher Nolan's doing his thing where he is telling a story about a particularly um, important and cataclysmic event in human history and a person who is right at the center of it. And in his style of breaking up the time frame and having, you know, having it kind of whirl around the different parts of this guy's life, you end up with a story that is you can see the story that Christopher Nolan is wanting to tell with the chopped up pieces placed in a particular order. I think it was really brilliantly done uh, and uh, saw it in 70 millimeter. Me too. I want to say. Me too. And looks great. Um, really effective, beautiful, serious, um, moving. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I walked out of the theater thinking, yeah, that's uh, why we, why we make movies right there. So I think, I think that's the winner. And then the other two are our runners up. Yeah, I would like to just on Oppenheimer, like also just add in just how incredible of a job Killian Murphy did. Like, just crushed it. Yeah. Because that was a hard job. The amount that he is on. Yeah, he's a very particular character too, Oppenheimer. There, there he is trying to be a very, very specific kind of character, Oppenheimer. And he does a good job. Yeah. He is in so much of that movie, you know, like, and it's a long oh, movie. Yeah. And he is and in it's a, a lot big movie, of yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And that is mm -hmm. a tough job to do. Like, I, I watched a yeah. really good, like, cast interview thing. And everyone was saying that, you know, like, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr. were just, like, giving him props of, like, that is an, like, an, a Herculean task to know all those words and be in all those scenes. And, yeah, it's, he did a fantastic job. I've been a big fan of his, especially as a fan of Peaky Blinders, and I'm happy that he has gotten his Hollywood breakout movie where he's kind of been a supporting player in a lot of Nolan movies, sure. and this yeah. time he was the star. Yep. Favorite TV show last year we awarded Severance. Ooh. This year the Upgradians voted of 8.4% for The Last of Us, 11.4% for Loki, and 12.2% for Silo. If you permit me to go first, because you have more yes, uh, options here. So I do. I want to throw Succession in. Was Succession ended just a truly superb season. 
really, really, really stuck the landing. Uh, the Last of Us was just a real feat. I think they did an incredible job retelling that story in a new medium, and I think that Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal were just superb. Uh, I watched all of The Bear this year, so season one and two. That is a television show. Let me It really you. is. Season two was great. Season two yeah. is, I mean, season one was great, and I, I think I might have mentioned it last year, but yes. season two is just spectacular, too. Yeah. Talk about your follow-ups yeah. managing to uh, to do it. That The Bear season two does it, yeah. yeah. So does Loki. Loki season two. I watched episode one and I did not like it, but I, I will power on at some point and watch the rest end. of it. I was really turned off by episode La- one. The last two episodes, especially, are superb. Like, mm-hmm. I am not a Marvel doomer, um, but this show kind of reminded me of how good they can be with story. Um, and also, right. Slow Horses. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. Slow Horses. Uh, we've spoken about this a couple of times. It is a very interesting show based in the UK. It's based on some books. Gary Oldman in the lead, um, just yeah. doing a really weird and wonderful performance of just a disgusting MI5 agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Slow Horses, there is a group of MI5 agents who, for whatever reason, have been deemed unfit. And so they get sent yeah. to a place called Slough House where they go to work uh, on unglamorous tasks and yeah junk junk work because they can't mm-hmm. be fired for whatever reason they yep. won't they won't quit and so they're basically uh, shelved mm-hmm. at Slough House under Gary Oldman's leadership and you might think how is that a show and the answer is well the that's the premise right is that is that there's some things that end up going to the slow horses for various reasons. Yep. And also you get the very strong sense that Jackson Lamb, Gary Oldman's character, is not all that he appears to be. Yep. And so they're more useful than you think, but they are also the rejects. So it's like a it's like a, you know, doing a, a, a movie about a superhero team of of rejects or something. It, it's that kind of idea. It's like this is these are spies. They're bad spies, but they are spies. Uh, and they're they're not necessarily even bad, but they did they did stupid stuff, and they've got yep. stupid things in their lives that have made them get warehoused, uh, and and rather, and they also have low self esteem because I mean either they're dreaming on working their way back to MI five, or they can't think of what else they would do in life, so they're just going to sit and stare out a window at, at at Slough House. It's a great show, great show. What I would say, like uh, I've seen the whole season. No spoilers, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there because sometimes we get special access to things, and this is one of mm-hmm. those. Yes. Uh, thank you, Apple TV team. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about Slow Horses is it is a spy thriller that is dealing with ultimately small things, where yes. spy thrillers are usually like huge, and they're like, we're dealing with the fate of the world, or like there's a supervillain who's trying to blow up space. And this is like, there are things that need to be dealt with but maybe they only impact a small group of people or maybe it's just one town or half of a city or whatever and these things have to be dealt with though and the slow horses do it so that that's what i like about exactly it's everything those shows have but on a smaller scale that's super cool so they're, they're my picks it's an Apple TV. Uh, we we talked at the time about they hired like somebody from the BBC to head their uh, European TV mm-hmm. development. This is a British show. 
in fact, I saw it in a list of 10. I was like, why is it not in this 10 best list? And then the next list was 10 best um, international. Mm. It was an American list. And it was in there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a British show, right? But it's an Apple TV show. It's brilliant. And it's a show that they shoot oddly in such a way that at the end of each season, they show you a trailer of the entire next season, which I love. The way they shoot it is these are six episode seasons. They're very short, but they shoot 12 episodes in a block. So they shoot two seasons at once. So at the end of season one, they know what season two is going to be. They show you a a trailer for it. So they've shot season three and four. We've seen season three, or you and Mm -hmm. I at least have seen all of it. And then there's a trailer for season four based on the books by McHaren. It's following the books. My understanding is pretty closely. Cool. Um, I've only read the first one of the books. Books are good too. All right. I thought this was a great year for TV. Mm. Honestly, great year. I got, I've got a long list. I don't know what to pick here. Um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two was amazing. And it is everything I like as a lifelong Star Trek fan. I cannot believe we got a show as good as Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It is accessible. It's friendly. It's the captain crew of the Starship Enterprise going around having adventures. It is fundamentally Star Trek and Anson Mount is Captain Pike. And he is uh, super charismatic, and it is an awesome show. And this year, they did they did a crossover with the animated show Lower Decks, where animated characters came into the real world. Oh, that was hilarious and amazing. They did a a musical episode that is really good, and they also had like uh, the, their season finale is is another kind of action like aliens esque kind of thing. Just they, every episode is a different genre. It, it really well done. So big fan. Strange New Worlds, love it. Um, I mentioned uh, you, you mentioned Slow Horses. Great Foundation season two was really good. Um, I know people were really mixed on Foundation season one um, because it's slow and it starts really slow, and you have to download a lot of information. And I think it's intentionally a little slower than it needs to be. That is not a problem with season two. They got the notes. They clearly got the notes. Season two is much faster paced. And what I love about Foundation is it looks like the inside of my my you know my my internal like mind's eye when I read these ridiculous widescreen space opera novels mm. that are full of ideas and do wild stuff and you would think well that's never going to be able to be put on a, a on a screen right it's just it can't who would do that and who would pay for it and the answer is David Goyer and Apple <laughs> and its foundation huh. it is. And also, it's like I've heard people say it's Star Wars esque in the sense that it's about an empire, but it's not. It it it, it only in the broadest sense is like Star Wars. It is really, uh, it's intelligent. It is weird. It does very makes some very strange decisions. It's kind of you got to pay attention to it, but it is it looks amazing. I think there is maybe not a better looking show on TV than Foundation. Hmm. Uh, love it. Season two, loved it. Every episode of it, great. So much fun. Um, the Bear. Yep. You said it. Um, pick your favorite episode. There's that Christmas episode where everybody oh, so in the family bad. is, and it brings up back all the intensity and all the emotional. I thought the episode uh, where they send the baker to Amsterdam oh. was the best episode of TV I saw all year. Yep. I liked it even better than that Christmas episode. It is a great character who's like a minor character and he goes off on his own for an episode and it is heartfelt and moving and brilliant and has a great cameo at the end of it and is just amazing. And the the one with his, uh, or actually the one with the, the, the cousin is the one with the cameo at the end of it. And that's a great episode too. That's mm-hmm. like the bear. 
uh, just I, you're, you're thinking, well, I don't want to watch a show about a bear. Well, it's not about that. It's about uh, a family and uh, and people who run a restaurant in Chicago. So it's totally not about a bear, although there is a bear in it, but it's not about that. Yep. Um, I, I like listen to me, listen to Mike, watch the bear if you haven't. Like, just do it. The bear is is very popular, which is great. It maybe suffers a little bit of the Patriot problem of like the name is not the title, right? Like, why do good. I want to watch the bear? Yeah. I don't like bears. It's not about bears, people. Uh, it's so good. For also, it's it's short. It's a it's. I would say it's a drama, but each episode is like thirty minutes long. So you might be thinking, like, is it a comedy? Is it a dramedy? It it, it can be funny, but it is a drama, and it's short. And I kind of love that it's short, except when it needs to be long, it's long because it's streaming. But mostly, it's short, and that the I, I the pace is as a result very fast, and it's great. It's a great show. Um, for all mankind. Uh, is back for season four. Yep. It is, it delivers. I have seen the first eight. I'm halfway through. So I haven't through. seen the last two. I'm halfway through. It's great. I love that show. Yeah, super good. I was a little nervous on one episode where I felt like they were focusing on a story that I kind of didn't care about, but then it mm-hmm. opened up a little bit. Yeah, because they're bringing it all together into yeah. one uh, big ball of disaster. Because that's what that show does. Yes, and um, they and they, as always, yeah. they open up the show with disaster. Like it after the last yeah. season. Like me and Adina have this joke now that anytime anyone goes to do anything, I'm sure that they're gonna die. Like they're gonna somebody die, goes the, to pick the up the mail, blow up, yeah, and like a satellite lands on yeah. their head. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, because there's always and and so yeah, in episode one, they're like, "Yep, here's your giant space disaster." Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, agree on The Last of Us. What an achievement that is. That is a prestige TV show based on um, a video game. Uh, it's done incredibly well. And I would also say you could think after something like The Walking Dead where people are like, okay, we did the zombie thing. Like, we don't need to do that again. It's like, well, but if you do it like The Last of Us, you can do it again because it is. And the brilliant thing is is it's using the the zombie apocalypse for what it's supposed to be, which is it's about characters. Because in the end, yeah. it's always about the characters. And the zombies, it does it uh, the supremely clickers, well. They're not even the in every thing. episode. No. No. Which is And it's like, I mean, this incredible. is why I like genre TV in general yeah. is that it's about the characters, but you can have these wild, these wild ideas that are not based in the real world they're there to either reflect our fears reflect our lives or put characters in situations where they have to process things about that are common about being human even if they're not like a character processing the fact that there are zombies chasing them like we may not live that life in our real life but it the way it's told it's about something fundamental to being a human being it's beautiful also has a contender for best episode of a show this year, which was the Bill yes, Frank episode, f- for sure, for yeah. sure, that's that would be my number two. I think after mm. the after the Baker going to Amsterdam, mm-hmm. um, or is it Copenhagen? Maybe it goes it's to Copenhagen. Copenhagen. It goes to Copenhagen. It's Copenhagen. Yeah. Sorry, I said Amsterdam earlier. That was the Ted Lasso episode about Amsterdam, which uh, yes. is great. Ted Lasso is Amsterdam, also a good episode. Also, yeah, on a boat. I like season three of Ted Lasso. By the way, <laughs> I didn't even put it in the list here, but but I, I liked it. It was not as good as some of the previous, but no, I liked it. it. It did a really good job of wrapping up a show which seemed complicated and difficult to wrap up in a in a good way. They, I felt like they were forced to wrap yeah. it up in a way that they're like, because Jason Sudeikis didn't want to be there anymore. Um, okay, Reservation Dogs. Again, you may or may not like the title. Um, it's done now. They've done all the episodes. They're not going to make any more. Okay. It is about a bunch of indigenous kids in Oklahoma on a reservation. And they start out 
as kind of like they're trying to play with being being thieves or being a being a, a gang. Uh, but it's not really about that. It's not about crime. It's not a Reservoir Dogs kind of thing. There's no blood. It is about kids coming of age on the Indian Reservation, trying to figure out who they are, and dealing with trauma because one of the kids in the group has died. Okay. And the rest of them are... We don't see it at first, but there is a hole in that group, and it, it really affects them and what how they're going to live their lives. It is funny. This is another show that's really short. You you could classify it as a comedy, but it, it's not just that. It's very emotional. Um, it's funny, but also very emotional. Um, it's beautiful. It's really one of the best shows I've seen in the last 10 years. Um, highly recommended. All episodes available now. Um, hilarious. I'll also say for people who are on the fence about it, the show that I find that it's most like tonally is actually Letterkenny, which is weird because Letterkenny is just a almost like a sketch comedy show, and I dearly love Letterkenny. But um, imagine Letterkenny, but with way more heart. Um, that's Reservation Dogs. Cannot recommend it enough. Okay. Amazing. Um, I want to shout out Mrs. Davis, which is a bizarre one-season show that was on Peacock from Damon Lindelof. Oh. And, oh, I forget her name. The co-producer... Uh, who came from a totally different genre, and they made this, uh, and they made this show together, and it is about a, it's about an AI that has become sentient that's trying to find the Holy Grail, and there's a nun who used to be a magician. Okay. Every episode is bananas, and it has is a it beginning and Alethea it has an end. Jones, is that who you're looking for? Uh, that may be it. Director and executive producer Tara Hernandez, writer, executive oh, producer. Oh no, it's it's Tara Hernandez. Okay, yeah, she she did it with uh Lindelof. with uh with uh Damon Lindelof. They did it together, and she comes from a like I think she was a writer on Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. All of this information came from Upgrady award winning call sheet. It's good, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. I recommend it. Uh, the first episode will tell you whether you want to watch the show or not because it's bananas. It, it, it really weird. is. Like, if if there is, like, you'll watch it and you'll be like, I don't like this vibe. Or you'll be like, I kind of like this vibe. If you like the vibe, watch all of them because it just gets weirder as it goes um, in a delight, I found, delightful way. So Mrs. Davis, it's a gem. They're only going to make the one season. It's basically a miniseries. Watch it. It's great. It's hilarious. Uh, and then finally, The Peripheral, a gem that doesn't have an ending and got canceled oh. by Amazon. After it got renewed, it then got canceled. Based on, It's the best adaptation of a William Gibson novel I've ever seen. Uh, prestige, beautiful, uh, high-budget science fiction, too high-budget to survive, apparently. But, um, but really great drama. Uh, VR, two-time frame, parallel universe, sort of, but not quite, and... I like I love the premise of the book and I love the premise of the show and they they really did some great stuff with it and I'll miss it because it was really great. That's my list. Okay. So now what do we list. do, Mike? Now right. what do we do? Let's look for where we overlap and then maybe use that as a starting point. So we overlap yeah, with Last Slow of Horses, Us, the bear, the bear and Last of Slow Us. Slow Horses. Yeah. Uh if I'm looking at these, I would like I have to think about how I felt watching these three shows, first for example. Yep. And I feel like Slow Horses would be a runner up. Yeah, and then it would be out of the bear and Last of Us. Mm-hmm. I would say I had a lot of emotions at the bear because I watched all of it, right? So I feel like that's my caveat there. Is I watched one and season one and season two. I don't know if sure. that would maybe make me have liked it even more. Um, 
I would maybe lean towards the bear. Yeah, um, let's do the bear. Okay. And I would like to put, nobody cares, but I would like to put reservation dogs on the runners up. Yep. And The Last of Us and Slow Horses, you can catch us next time. Yeah. We'll be back here next we'll year. We'll be back. There'll yeah. be another season of that. But just because the reason I wanted to go with the bear is I think that it is quite an incredible thing to elicit so many emotions out of such a simple premise, which is a yep. guy opens a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like Reservation Dogs, that is a show that, um, is dealing with a trauma that happens before the episode begins. Yeah. And everything in it is, a, at least in part, based on the fact that somebody very close to many of the characters in the movie has died yeah. before the show starts. Yeah. And everybody, or a lot of those people are broken in a very particular way, and they have to deal with it. And it, that's actually very similar between those two shows. Those are both great shows. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both Hulu shows too, I think. So mm. I don't know where you find them everywhere else, but I think they're both on Hulu. Uh, Hulu. Disney Plus for me. Disney Plus in a lot of the world. And I would, I would think, Disney yeah. Plus for you soon too. <laughs> well, right? it is actually. I can <laughs> yeah. watch them on Disney Plus now. Yeah, I can do Disney that now, now. Sure. All right, the bear. Let's do it. You know, yes, chef. The bear. Yes, chef. This episode is brought to you by Factor. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track of your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. With Factor, you can cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes and you have more than 35 flavor-packed options to choose from every week. Jason, can you tell our listeners why, with all of the stuff that goes on around the holidays, why it's nice to have some factor meals in the fridge? Factor meals in the fridge? Mike, Mike, I'm going to let you finish, but Factor has the best microwavable meals of all time. That's a very old reference. It was. Um, I'm going to let... So my wife works at a library... Uh, away from this house. I live in the house all the time. I'm just here endlessly. And I do have to make myself lunches too. But I will tell you, this last batch of Factor that they sent us, she took most of them with her to work for lunches. Yep. And I was like, you know, you didn't even let me try more than one. Why, why did you take them? And this is what she said to me. She said this to me yesterday, unbidden, not intending for it to be in a podcast read, but here we are. Here it is. She said, I cannot believe how good those are. They are microwave lunches. They are so good. I don't know how they make microwave reheated chicken taste good, but they do. And I and she said, if we ever need, she says to me, if we ever need to get meals for my mom because she's having issues with mm. cooking for herself, let's get these and not those other ones unnamed that we tried that were terrible. So that I actually I laughed when she said it because she's right. Cause I I have yeah. Again, I didn't get as many of them this time because she took them away from me because she <laughs> demanded. She was like, whoa, give me the factor. But that is a, an endorsement that I just have to pass on, that you may be thinking to yourself, you know, sticking a little thing in the microwave and heating it up. You could do it in the oven, too, but, you, you know, microwave's really fast. You get that two or three minutes and you're done. Um, just take it from Lauren. She cannot believe that they're this good. 
as something you stick in the microwave for three minutes because you you know all the connotations of like you know it's not quite right and it came but it's like the the meat isn't very good and all that it's like it's just not the case with factor i don't know what they're doing over there probably using good ingredients yes um, that's right which a lot of a lot of places cheap out on Mm -hmm. and and you think why is why is heating something in the microwave bad and you think it's because of the microwave maybe it's because the stuff that they make for Mm -hmm. heating in the microwave is bad uh anyway so lauren and i but especially lauren this time endorsed these meals cannot believe that this is a thing that came out of the microwave for my lunch and there's more than that, too. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that don't skimp on flavor, you can try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals of around or less than 550 calories per serving. Or if you need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays, you could try pro- Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. You can also rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice because Factor offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door and source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com upgrade50 and use the code upgrade50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code upgrade50, that's upgrade50 at factormeals.com upgrade50 for 50% off your first box. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time for the favorite book category. Oh, it's my favorite category. Your favorite category. Although it could be argued so is TV, but you said that already, and I love the TV one too anyway. Yeah, but that one we have opinions about. We both have opinions about. I have no opinions about games. You have no opinions about books, almost. Um, But we we both watch TV, so we can share those opinions. Indeed. Elder Race was the winner last year. Uh, The Upgradians voted. This is a complicated book. count up this one this, this is always one of the yeah, harder ones to to count uh sunlit man by brandon sanderson at 2.6 percent of the vote system collapse by martha wells with 3.9 percent of that's the good. vote that's gonna be a tv show that's gonna be an apple tv show oh okay the the that's murderbot chronicles and they, they just announced that's gonna oh go i in, saw uh, i saw that with the uh one of the scars guards one of the scars guards yes. yeah yeah that's the weird casting succession. but i don't care it's like i was reading i read system collapse really liked it and i thought this should be a show and it is a show. It's going to be an Apple. Apple is getting in on the, like, you want your high-quality sci-fi. Uh, they seem to be really doubling down on it. I love it. Yep. Yeah. And All Souls Lost by Dan Morin at 27.3% of Pretty the Pretty good. On the Verge's list of the best books of the year. Really? This week. Posted today, oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations, right? Dan. That's so good. And you might be saying, why is a book, uh, why is a novel, a, a an urban fantasy, in fact, on the Verge's list of the best, best books of the year? But here's the thing. You know and I know that Dan has covered Apple for a long time now. And you might be thinking, well, All Souls Lost, this seems to be a book about like a detective in Boston involving magic. And it's like an urban fantasy. How could it be related to Apple? And I'm not going to spoil it, but let me tell you, it is super related mm. to Apple mm. in a delightful way. Mm. And if you have not read All Souls Lost yet, available as an ebook, there's a print-on-demand paperback that you can buy as well if you prefer that. Um, you, it, it, there is there an Apple angle to this book? Oh boy, is there! Let oh me boy, read, is there! Let but me it's, read from it's like the no spoilers for it. So yeah. this is from Barbara Krasnoff. Uh, oh, did Dan write that part? 
Okay. Dan wrote that part. It's a conspiracy oh, of Dan's. Okay. This is not. It's not said in this part of the thing, but maybe Barbara's put. The There's a little tag at the end of the of the write up uh, that is. It's thank you. Book Dan Seifert. Oh yeah, Dan Seifert, deputy editor. I missed that. So Dan says it, about Dan uh, about Dan's book. Uh, different Dan. It took me almost a month to get to All Souls Lost in my reading queue after it was released, and then I promptly tore through it in just a few days. It's an incredibly fun supernatural detective story with a touch of big tech thrown in. The pace is fast, the prose is entertaining, and the characters are rich. There you go. What more do you want? Um, okay, so my picks in this category. Can I just uh, can I just can I, I just, I just give ahead. a nod right now? I read yes. something oh, give this your nod year. Now. Sure. Um, yes. Hooray! Which is which is Mike not. I know. Something. I'm trying to read him one a year. I'm, this is not a book, and it's not from this year. Uh, but I just wanted to say because no. I read it. I read the whole run of Ultimate Spider Man. It's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I Mike, that is that is my favorite comic of this this century yeah. i guess you it's know? just truly superb like you think you know yeah. how a spider-man story can be and they just twist it on its head constantly well, so the, the original premise was what if we could start from the yeah. from the beginning and do mo- use modern storytelling to tell the story of spider-man in a familiar way but it, like it was a tv adaptation or a movie adaptation mm-hmm. it was like let's do a comic where we start from zero. And they did this with a bunch of different characters, but in the end, the one that was successful, the most successful in this premise by far, is uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And it's like Peter Parker, he's young, he learns, and, and, and it, like, it uses the canon, but it also breaks the canon in a and lot a of, ways of ways because he's making... Brian Michael Bendis, the writer, is, is who who wrote all of it, and the, the, there are two different artists on it. Um, so it's, it's really cohesive in a way that long-running comics aren't usually... Mm-hmm. And he makes creative decisions because he, obviously he has thought about Spider-Man for 40 years and about like, how, how would yep. you tell this story differently in a modern context? And so like, uh, to give one example, like Mary Jane is involved fairly early and and learns about his identity and that matters. Yes. And it has impact. reminded me of Buffy a little bit because yep. Buffy is basically retelling a Spider-Man story and now Spider-Man is sort of doing, Ultimate Spider-Man does the same thing to Spider-Man that Buffy sort of tried to do it, where it's sort of like, let's make this more grounded and about the the characters and their, and their family connections and also like rethinking what the wacky 60s Spider-Man villains would manifest as in a modern context. And he has a story arc and he grows and he ages and he, and, and has, you know, bad things that happen to him, and it has a, it really has a, a beginning, middle, and believe it or not, kind of an end. Yeah, that, there's there's multiple endings in a way, and the first ending yeah. is is good, but it happens weirdly and in a way mm-hmm. that wasn't controlled by the what the writers were really going for. It was like it was in a large arc, like one of those yeah. like multi comic events. Um, and I have finished that, but I'm now on the second part of it where they pick it back up again. Um, and then yeah. I'm going to continue reading into Miles Morales and onwards from there. Yeah, because this is this is where Miles Morales is introduced. Yeah. And and this aspect of the story is similar to what's in that first Spider-Verse movie. Yep. Um, it's really good. Who've seen it's that. really, really it's good. It's very good. It's one of the best. Um, my two favorite novels that I read this year are Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. This is Scott McNulty read this before me, and he said it's the uh, it's the best octopus related novel I've read this year, um, which is funny because sur- I also read and Scott did too. Surprisingly bright creatures, which is also a, a novel about an octopus, huh. and is also great. It's actually a great book. But Mountain in the Sea push it it pushes all my buttons. It is octopus. sort of cyberpunky 
and sort of uh, apocalyptic and is about uh, octopuses that may be sentient. And there's like a there's like an android and a and a disgraced scientist and a, like a corporation and there's like a in another part of the story there's like a guy who gets taken hostage and put on a robotic uh, fishing vessel where he's basically it's like human traffic trafficking is happening and you're like how is this all connected um, and are those octopuses really um, as intelligent as people and what does that mean are they aliens but also like us. Um, and it's all, it's just all in there. It's a great book. I loved it. It It is the, exactly my jam. Um, and then different, My Murder, a book by Katie Williams. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey, which I read a few years ago, which I really loved. Um, My Murder's premise is that it is, the protagonist is somebody who was murdered, and then resurrected using technology that's kind of off screen. It's mentioned. I like how it's a sci-fi setting that they try not to make not too much of the sci-fi. It's not really obsessed with like how it works. Um, it's more about, again, about the characters and, and all of that. But it is also kind of a murder mystery. I think the elevator pr- pitch for this book was, what if the person who was murdered has to solve her own murder? Um, and it has a lot to say about, uh, about women and, and, and how they fit in society and relationships and how society and social media and how, and fame hmm. and video games and all sorts of other stuff. Um, it's, what's interesting about it is it's super a sci-fi novel, but sold as a mainstream novel. Okay. And, uh. It, it like so they don't want people to be scared away by the sci-fi elements in it as a sci-fi often as a sci-fi reader i read those books and i'm like oh i see you're slumming it right like you're not really committed to the bit here you you, you don't want to be writing a sci-fi novel and you're kind of ashamed of it that's not true with my murder my murder is expertly done as a sci-fi novel but in a way that's very accessible to other people i'm not going to spoil it but like whoa there are turns and twists and red herrings and surprises and and it is about like about like social media and vr in in some ways too it's fascinating uh it's it's just a it's a wild book so my murder by katie williams also one of my favorites of the year those are the two five five stars on my goodreads this year they're they're both great tell me the winners and runner-up i would move uh mountain in the sea as the winner that was the best book i read this year with my murder and all souls lost as the runners-up all right mountain in the sea is the winner all souls lost and the and my murder. So it's the octopus book that my wins. murder. The octopus. Congratulations. Book. It octopus. is exactly like it's not for everybody. And I, I know people who read it and were like, eh, whatever. I I couldn't get enough of it. It's like it's like the most it's William Gibson-esque in some ways. Um it reminded me of the wind-up girl by Paolo Bajigalupi a little bit. It's just it's I mean, in the end, it is it is also a first context story. I mean, spoilers for Mountain in the Sea. It's not really much of a spoiler, which is, are the octopus intelligent? Well, it'd be a really disappointing book if they weren't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, and it's weird. And like I said, why is there an android in this book? Be, I, you know, honestly, the reason why is because it's actually about dealing with sentience and and the question of like, what does it mean to be an intelligent, sentient creature? And is this android sentient? Is this octopus sentient? 
are human beings sentient? Like, what does it all mean? Like, how do we define you as being alive and 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 uh, and real versus uh, something that we can other and say, oh, they're not real. And Mountain in the Sea is about that, but it's also fun and wild and weird. We move to favorite podcast. Last year's mm-hmm. winner was Connected on Relay FM. Oh. The Upgradians voted thusly with 7.2% for Cortex, 9.5% for Upgrade, and 14.8% for Connected. Oh. I would like to thank our listeners for enjoying my programs. It, it's quite, it's, it feels good and it's humbling when I go through these and these are the answers. So I just want to tell everybody that I appreciate that very much. Um, thank you. I mean, they didn't nominate any of my other podcasts. They're in there, Jason, but they weren't up in the top three. No, they, they weren't at the, at the top three. Mm-hmm. What else, uh, what else do you have for favorite podcast personally? The Town. Mm. From The Ringer and Puck, hosted by Matt yeah. Bellany. This show yeah. is unbelievably good. It's three times a week, mm-hmm. th- about 30 minutes yeah. an episode. Matt Bellany writes at the Puck, uh, sorry, writes at Puck. Uh, he is like the Puck News. Uh, Puck News. He's there, like, uh, what would you like? And he's like, writes about entertainment mostly, right? Like, yeah, this kind of thing. He used to work yeah, it's at like Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, he used to work at the Hollywood Reporter. The town is reference to Hollywood being the town. It's known in the industry as the town, right? Um, and he was, yeah, it was a Hollywood Reporter. He was a lawyer beforehand. If you enjoy anything about entertainment, so if you enjoy the upstream segments, if you enjoy downstream, I think if you just enjoy this show, you would enjoy the town because it is mostly looking at the way that these large entertainment companies work. And his Rolodex is huge. He yeah. has anyone on the show that he wants to, basically. It was what it feels like. Like when Netflix dropped their uh, data dump, he had the Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos on the show to talk about it. Um, he has regular guests, including Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. He's the Monday guy. I love them two together. Um, yep. There's segments on the show you know we love a segment in this show they have it they have a segment called the call sheet at the end where he, where uh, bellini makes predictions like it's full so into so many of the things that i like to do on my podcasts too he makes predictions about box office over and unders um but the thing that surprises me the most about this show is there is clearly like good production going on in the types of content they produce and the people they get to come on and talk about it. Like, I don't think I have heard a show that was ostensibly an interview show that is as good as this one, where Mm. Bellany brings on every week people I've never heard of before and every single episode is fascinating because of the way he is able to talk to people. And he is one of these people that's clearly respected enough in Hollywood that he can kind of ask whatever question he wants and people will answer it. Or they won't, but it won't stop them from going on the show. Uh, really good content during the strikes. Um, yeah, just all around fantastic. It's like three times a week, 30 minutes an episode. I cannot recommend it enough. It's the, my favorite show this this that I found this year. Um, and it's maybe the only podcast I've ever listened to where uh, Adina listens to it too, and me and her have a conversation about every episode, about what we thought oh, about. Right. Because it's that it's just that good. Like yeah. it really is. It's fantastic. very good. The the when Bob Iger, Iger came back, they did a uh, uh, Matt and and Lucas Shaw 
who I, I I'd say are the two definitive like journalists covering this era of Hollywood, yeah. I would say like, yeah. uh, and the, and the streaming machinations and all those things. And you're saying, what about Julia? Well, Julia's not a journalist. She's an analyst who also yeah. has a column and a podcast, but like, she's an analyst. She's got clients and stuff like that. These guys, this is what they do. Yeah. And they, they are, do that they too are together on Mondays. Right. Where like and, Julia is yeah. tethered. She, she's doing a lot of things. She has her fingers in a she's, lot of pies. She's got client work. I mean, yeah. it's not her primary job. Her primary job is being the director of, of, of strategy for, for, uh, Parrot analytics, right? Um, these guys, this is what they do. Um, Matt Bellany does Puck, used to be at the Hollywood Reporter, and Lucas Shaw is at Bloomberg and covers Hollywood for Bloomberg. And then you get them together, those episodes especially, the, just like they are the smartest people in the room. Mm -hmm. And so you get them to talk. And that episode about the, after Bob Iger came back is so good because you can hear how giddy they are about it yeah. and also how they're, these are experts who are processing in real time a cataclysmic event in their industry. Like, yeah, it's a good, it's a great podcast. I think it's going to win, but let me tell you <laughs> about two podcasts that I also liked this year that I found. I don't find a lot of new podcasts, but I did find two. One of them obvious, I, but I got to mention it. Strike Force five, which was the five late night talk show hosts doing a podcast when the strike was happening. Yeah. Um, it happened so late that like they only released like five episodes and yeah. then they, they ordered all their merch and then the strike got settled. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, please buy our merch. Uh, and also please listen to our four episodes that we recorded that haven't come out yet. But there's some gems in that uh in that episode or, or in that series in yeah. that very small series there Adina are some gems. loved it like it was one of those shows she'd listen to and just be laughing just like her head up. i couldn't do it because at least at the beginning the audio production was just so bad like, i couldn't handle it i couldn't handle it it's not it, it doesn't sound great it is very clearly a recording of a zoom conversation between famous people which did, it just didn't That's make sense to me because i saw pictures and they were using really nice microphones it's like did nobody tell them how to press record on a how like, you press know, record I just, I just couldn't i couldn't I deal with it i i, I i'm i'm very weird like that i, I just can't handle bad audio no nope. i get it i get it i think there's one episode i'm not sure if it's episode five um yeah it is that's the one where there are uh that's hilarious just to listen to because that's where Jimmy Fallon tries to do a quiz where he's asked questions of the wives of yeah, all of the people this. on the panel. Because uh, it's Jim Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, John Oliver, um, Stephen Colbert, and... Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. All together. Because they got nothing to do because of the strike. Um, episode five, let's just say it reminded me of many podcasts I've been on. Yeah. Because... Uh, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy Fallon's prep is questionable. He has not honed his questions right, and throughout he is asking he, the, the whole premise is undermined. And of course, you've got four other sharp-witted comedian talk show hosts there to pick apart the premise as it's going on. It's amazing. It's very hilarious. And uh, episode nine is David Letterman. They all talk mm. to David, and they they ask all the questions they have always wanted to ask That's David cool. Letterman. I love I love the premise of it too. That like these guys should all be bitter rivals. You know, yeah. and like in previous years, like let me tell you, yeah. was around. I was going to say, let's just say that that that, that if there, this was a scenario twenty years ago, David Letterman and Jay Leno would not have a podcast. It would have been a okay? boxing match. It wouldn't have been a oh, podcast, right? Like, definitely, definitely not. So that's that was a fun podcast. It came and it went. Um, and episode five is hilarious, and de the David Letterman one, Letterman one is worth a listen to. Uh, and the other podcast, proving that I am a middle aged dad, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> 
I, I I'm gonna wear it. I, I'm gonna wear it with with with. Uh, it ha- it comes for you eventually. The middle aged dad comes for you eventually. You can't dodge it for too long, and therefore I recommend a podcast called "The Rest Is History," in which two historians, two British historians, Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook, talk about stuff that happened in the past. And as somebody, uh, w- what I love about it is you can pick and choose the stuff that interests you. Mm-hmm. And I realized like there's some history that I learned and then all the rest of it, I did not learn and don't know anything about. So like they did a history of like the history of Ukraine. I'm like, you know, I don't know anything about the history of Ukraine. Let's have a listen to that and learned all sorts of things that I didn't know about that, that are the fundamental background of what's happening there. I got into them because they did a series of episodes about the American revolution and they're British so amazing because they are outside of the official story told in American classrooms about the revolution. And it was fascinating because huh. they puncture a lot of uh, uh, illusions that, you know, myths, myth-making that Americans like to tell about the reasons for the revolution. And I found it incredibly fascinating. Mm. And that made me want to re- want to listen to, they did a bunch of episodes about the American Civil War that were really great. Uh, the rise of the fall of the Soviet Union and the rise of Putin. And those were really good. And the history of Ukraine uh, was fascinating and timely. Um, and uh, they're funny and they have guests. And uh, and like if you are a middle aged dad and you want to listen to things about history and learn stuff, uh, the rest is history it is is really uh, a lot of fun. And it was a great find for me this year. All right. So can we go with the town as the winner? Yep. Yeah, and then let's make the rest is history and Strike Force Five the runners up. Although I will say, I I, I shout out to Cortex, a podcast with Mike Hurley and CGP Gray on it. Uh, I don't listen to every episode of it because I have limited podcast time. There's but, only like fifteen of them a year. You know what I mean? But I listen they are to really most long, of them, though. <laughs> and they are really long. Uh, and they are very and they're very good. They they just that that every time I listen to that show, I am impressed with. All the stuff that you guys uh, go through, your themes episode, your state of the apps episode, your especially your post Vision Pro episode. That's that's my favorite thing I made this year. A lot of good stuff. I would say, like, uh, considering uh, uh, you've just complimented me and so did all of the listeners, I I would say that, like, I I think this might be Cortex's best year content wise. Um, I've been very happy with it. And that has come from increased effort. From the two of us, we like we've, oh. we've worked on trying to make the show better, and I think we made the show better. Like, and so uh, I hope that that will continue. Favorite Apple product of the year? Oh, last year was the M2 MacBook Air. The Upgradians voted for with thirteen point seven percent to the absolute shock surprise for me, the fifteen-inch MacBook Air. I was huh. not expecting it. Crowd pleaser. I that was just like I didn't really get a sense that it was a popular product at large, and I did would not have guessed that it would be a very popular product amongst our audience based on the type of feedback that we get. And fifteen inch MacBook Air, thirteen point seven percent, sixteen point eight percent, the iPhone fifteen Pro. And at twenty seven point one percent is the iPhone fifteen Pro Max. Um, for me, uh-huh. it's either the fifteen Pro Max or the Apple Watch Ultra two. Oh, interesting! It was my first Apple Watch Ultra. 
in what I would say is kind of a quiet year, I was going to say the iPhone 15 Pro, which I like. Pro Max has the the cool new camera, mm-hmm. and I think it gets my endorsement. I think that that's the um, best product Apple shipped this year, if you consider like what's new. Yep. Um, the you know the M3 Max MacBook Pro is also would be on my list. I would say because it, the Max is so impressive as a chip, but uh, nothing else changed about it. Um, so I, I would I would consider that maybe a, a runner up. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, so let's go with the winner is the iPhone 15 Pro Max. With yeah. the M3 Max MacBook Pro, I'd also like to put the 15-inch MacBook Air in there just because it was so surprising to me. Okay, let's do it. I just thought that that was... I don't know if I should be surprised about that, but I was. Yeah, I love it. Favorite non-Apple product last year was the Steam Deck. Oh, yes, I'll let you have that one. The Upgradians voted for 3.4% for the Anchor 3-in-1 Cube, which is a very good... Charging cubes solution. are the best, indeed, says Federico. 4.2% for Chat GPT. I was surprised to see it in this part, but it was. And at 5.3% is the Steam Deck OLED. It's back, baby. <laughs> it's back, baby. Uh, Here it is again. Uh, I am going to throw a vote in for the Steam Deck OLED because I, I got one. I, tr- I sold my yeah. Steam Deck. Um, and with the money that I got from a product that I returned that I'm going to talk about later on in the show. I bought a Steam Deck OLED, and it is, it is, it's incredible how good that screen is, um, and the, the overall package is nicer. I've got a faster Wi-Fi chip, which is great for downloading the really large games that are on Steam. Um, it's got uh, a little bit better battery life, but not that much. It's noticeable. It's a little lighter, but also not that much. It's noticeable, but the screen really makes a huge difference. Uh, but for me, I think my absolute favorite thing uh, this year was the Sonos Era 100. Um, I spoke about this on the show that, you know, I, I've gotten into Sonos in, in my home and the Era 100 is such a huge upgrade over the Sonos One. Um, it is now a stereo speaker. It has line in, it has Bluetooth. It sounds fantastic. So it's become an even better option for people that are looking to get into Sonos. So I really recommend it. Wow. I I really struggled with this one. I don't it's think I have one. a product that I would, I would consider a favorite um, just sort of like in general from mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything I, I, I keep racking my brain and I, I, I don't think I've got anything. I actually thought about putting in here a uh, KitchenAid mixer. <laughs> okay. Cause I love my KitchenAid mixer and uh, it's not an Apple product. So sure. You know, make some bread, make some cookies, whatever. Use your mixer. Yeah. Uh, but really I have no vote here. Um, I would probably go with a Steam Deck OLED because I like the the doing that again. Yeah, I want to. That's why I I, w- I would like to do Steam Deck OLED as the winner. Okay, all right. Let's make Sonos a runner up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cube. Yeah, the Cube is great. The Anchor let's Cube is a great product. So the winner of the favorite non Apple product is the Steam Deck OLED, with the runners up as the Sonos Era One Hundred and the Anchor Three in One Cube. Like, little, little I love it. That that seems like because okay. So the background here with the upgrades is that I used to do the Eddie Awards every year at MacWorld and before that at Mac User. Um, and you're in the room 
and you're doing debates. And then in the end, it comes out and it's like all very like, oh, yes, here's the winner and here are the runners up. And it's very serious. And most of the time we took it extremely seriously. But, you know, there are those moments where you're like, can we just pick two and move on? Um, and I, I like that on this podcast, and this has been the case for now 10 of these. Um, sometimes you get to this point and you're like, Anchor Cube, let's do that. Okay, that looks good. Great. And we just move on. Mm-hmm. And it it's stamped into history now as a runner-up. Great. It's a great little job, product, everybody. the Anchor Cube. And this yeah. is another example of why we have the upgrading vote, because sometimes we don't have a good yeah. option. And so it's great to have it's the true. upgradings in here, too, to help us balance out the awards. I like it. And this episode is brought to you by Vitaly. Customer success teams today are facing a problem. How do they connect customer data back to their work? Vitaly changes that. It's a new kind of customer success platform, an all-in-one collaborative workspace that combines your customer data with all the capabilities you expect from today's project management and work platforms. Because it's designed for today's customer success team, that's why Vitaly operates with unparalleled efficiency, improves net revenue retention, and delivers best-in-class customer experiences. It's the solution to helping your customer success team keep a better pulse on your customers, which maximizes productivity, visibility, and collaboration. You can boost your bottom line by driving more revenue per customer with Vitaly. And if you take a qualified demo of Vitaly, you'll get a free pair of AirPods Pro. So if you're a customer success decision maker actively seeking CS solutions, working at a B2B software as a service company with 50 to 1,000 employees, and you're willing to explore changing customer success platforms if you already have one in place, schedule your call today by visiting vitally.io slash upgrade, and you'll get that free pair of AirPods Pro. That's vitally.io slash upgrade for a free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. Our thanks to Vitaly for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now with the worst gadget or most disappointing technology. Last year was oh. the iPad Pro with M2 chip. Now remember, I, I was taken aback by this, but remember this is because the iPad Pro, we were thinking that there would be like major changes to the iPad mm-hmm. Pro mm-hmm. and they didn't do anything. And they so it was disappointing. Didn't even do the bare minimum, which was give the eleven inch the better screen. Indeed. Yep, Gradients voted with 5.1% for ChatGPT, which is so funny to me. The, the up, I will tell you, Upgradians, yeah. you're an incredible bunch, where like 5% of you will say ChatGPT was your favorite product, favorite. and 5% of you will say it was most disappointing. I love it. Yep. 9% is X. <laughs> <laughs> and 13.3% is the Humane AI pin. Yeah. Now, I would just like to state here the PlayStation Portal was my most disappointing technology of the year. So okay. this was the a device that PlayStation made to allow you to remote play to your PlayStation. So you're playing from your PlayStation but over Wi-Fi. And for me, the connection was terrible. It was so bad. It was at home trying to play this thing with a PlayStation sitting in front of me. But I wanted to play it handheld so the TV wasn't occupied. That was my use case for this thing. And it was so bad. Like, the screen was incredible for what it was for, like, a $250 device. The controller was great because it was a PlayStation controller cut in half with a screen in the middle. But they skimped out on the Wi-Fi chip, and it would not. It just could not handle it. Um, I did not enjoy it. It was really bad for me. I, other people have had other uh, experiences. I've heard of really good experiences with it, but for me was not so and i wasn't willing to make any changes to the way that my house was wired just to get a better uh, response here so playstation portal 
returned. Steam Deck OLED acquired. But yeah, that was a disappointment for me. I was looking forward to it as a disappointment. So I have two nominees here. One is, as the Upgradian said, the Humane AI pin. And again, I don't want to like, I kind of don't want to kick them when they're down, but I feel like their presentation was so over the top and also incompetent that they are they've all it's their marketing has always struck me as being like incredibly arrogant like we're great and we know it and we're going to change the world and i like on one level it's like marketing so i get it but on another level i read it as like are you though are you and then you see this thing which still hasn't shipped right but like they've announced it and they're taking orders for it and it's there's just not that much there and it definitely feels like a product that was originally going to be like, oh, you project it on your hand. And then they're like, oh, chatbots, let's do that instead. And they made some changes. And I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, uh, it is, it seems like a really dumb gadget that is, I, I talked for a while about how I think the idea of having AI, uh, agents that help know about your life better than you can recall and connect the dots is going to be a big thing and it's going to be potentially a game changer but i don't understand how this hardware would be that no it's not Um, it'll be in all sorts of other things and not a pin you wear so i want to nominate that the one thing i'm going to say about this is all we have had is a presentation video so like i think it is hard to say like, we could say it was the worst presentation video, but, like, and also, was anybody really disappointed by this? Like, I don't know. Were you expecting something better? I, I'm saying worst gadget. Y- yeah. I'm saying worst gadget, that this is a gadget, and I don't quite think anyone needs it, mm-hmm. and their key features are not features they invented, because they're yep. literally just chatbots from someone else, yep. and they, even the integration, right, like, it, we, I think we all assumed that it would be more than it is because it's like literally, hey, it's a chatbot, but you can attach it. And like, does it talk to my phone? Well, no, we can't do that. So it's got its own phone number. And, and like, you just We ruined the world by creating phones. So here's another phone about screen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and the presentation and the whole thing around it is part of it. And, and I'm going to nominate it in that category too. But I just want to, I want to nominate it here because as a gadget, yeah, I, my, I was trying to keep an open mind, but like the presentation, I just don't know what they're even, I mean, it really felt to me like they got investment and they got to do a product and this is their best swing at it. But like, I'm not sure even they believe that this is a thing. I think that they may be, it, you know, you get to a certain point and your choice is, well, we can keep running this out and then have it crash and burn, or we can give the money back to the investors. And their decision is, well, no, let's run it out and watch it crash and burn. And maybe shot in the dark, it'll be successful, but it probably won't, but let's give it a shot. And that's how the humane AI feel, pin feels to me. Like they're just burning the money of their investors at this point. Um, but I do have another disappointing tech that I want to throw out there, which is matter. Hmm. Remember matter? Yeah. This was supposed to be the year where matter uh, unified all our stuff and our, our smart home stuff finally came into focus. And instead, um, it kind of didn't happen. Like matters around and some things support it, but other things don't support it. And it didn't really happen. And it's unclear. Is this just the growing pains of a thing that's going to ultimately be the thing that we all use next year or the year after? Or is it a flop? And I don't know, and that is disappointing. I pay attention to a couple of HomeKit YouTubers still, and I I feel like it is still in that camp of this will make a bigger difference in a year or two from now. Because sure. what it seems like is 
so many new products come out now with matter and so it's going it's sure. it will be Great. something we get the effect of in years from now especially as right. they continue to add in new things into the spec they did more this year they're doing more next year i think vacuums are coming next year so it is a case of device makers need to opt into it but more and more of them are and um, and i do feel like there are more companies th- there are more products available to you now than there were before because whether you're on ios or android because there are some companies that are now like hey, this will work for you now because of matter. But I think it's one of those things where like your mileage may vary for quite a while as right. to whether it will make any impact on your life. And I think we were all, I mean, disappointing is what I'm hitting home here, which yeah, is sure. I think we felt like when the first shots of matter were fired yep. and it was late, but it was last year, it, after already being kind of like later than we thought it would be. Yep. And it finally came came out because remember this was like chip or something. <laughs> it was it had another yeah, it uh, not a real yep. name, and then they and they uh, and then their their matter. And then this year, I just felt like all the matter stories were well, this doesn't support it, and this this thing has a limited thing with matter, and this thing is not quite right. And I I totally get that that we're playing the long game here with matter, but I would say this year. I thought matter would make more of a difference and it hasn't. And maybe that was an unrealistic expectation, but I certainly felt the disappointment. All right. I feel like we'll put PlayStation portal and I would say matter as runner up and go with the humane AI pin because, okay. Because the upgradians voted pretty overwhelmingly for it. And it was also in yours. And I do agree. Yeah. My only asterisk on it is, is it is a product that, I don't even think is available. Like you could buy. I don't, no, no, there's not been any reviews. But I don't no. think it's going to surprise anyone. Like I think it'll no, probably just the, be worse we than we even we think make that the it will be. Yeah, we 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 we've decided. We that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Hey, that's all that matters. Uh, mm. Most life changing hardware last year was picked up by the M2 MacBook Air, best Mac ever, Yay. in my opinion. Love that thing. Yeah. The Upgradians voted with 4.8% for the iPhone 15 Pro Max, at 6.3% for the AirPods Pro 2, and I combined the votes for Apple Watch and Apple Watch Ultra to come in at 14.9%. There was like wow. Apple Watch, Apple Watch SE, Apple Watch A, Apple Watch 9, Apple Watch Ultra. I just combined them all because that felt like the sanest thing to do and that came in at 14.9% and I will say that the battery life specifically of the Apple Watch Ultra 2 has made huge changes to my life this year like I'm way happier in using the Apple Watch every day than I was before because it has completely removed the annoyance of charging that device from my life I'd say my my nominee here and it doesn't need to win it but I'll just say I have embraced the stream deck lifestyle, mm-hmm. having that set of buttons that's programmable um, that can fire off various macros. Um, I was initially, you know, a skeptical and then I bought the mini and then I upgraded to the full size. And this year I bought another full size um, that I can use when I travel. And then because I'm doing the Studio B thing, it lives in Studio B. So I have the same stream deck set up in two places so that I can use my familiar things in either location and uh, that has been great. So I love it. And it, it literally, as a bit of life-changing hardware, um, I have to I have to say, the Stream Deck. With the AirPods Pro 2, this year or last year? 
when they no, actually came out. No. They're last year, right? They only did the so. USB C case this year. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I think we should do Apple Watch Ultra two. Okay. Um, and and that that acknowledges all the Apple Watch votes that the Upgradians did. Yep. That'll and then up. let's do the uh, Stream Deck and the Pro Max as the runners up. Love it. I'm Fifteen Pro Max and Stream Deck as runner up. Yeah. Apple Watch Ultra two as the winner. Final two categories now. Yeah. Favorite tech story last year. Mm-hmm. The fall of FTX ha. was the winning category. Good good times. Good times. This year, the Upgradians voted with AI progress at 8.7%. Mm. OpenAI fires Sam Altman at 17.9%. <laughs> and Apple Vision Pro at 23.2%. Where are you sitting with this one? I think the wisdom of the Upgradians, uh, the Vision Pro may be the favorite tech story of next year, but this year, look, years and years and years, Apple's doing a headset. Apple's doing a headset. What's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? We got it this year. And it was not what we expected, which was even more exciting. And then all that has reverberated the rest of the year. That was the first half of the year, right? And it has reverberated where we've got the different developer things and they release betas and there's talk about like, what's the future of it? And when's it going to come out? Which sounds like early next year, which is exciting. Um, like earlier than than some people thought early next year meant, uh, which is great. So for me, I, I yeah, the story of this year is the announcement of the Vision Pro for sure. Because as well, it was also really good and really fun and like the content was good. Yeah, and, and we got to try it. Stories and were good. It's, it's an interesting take. It, it, it is them trying to do something different. I don't know if they'll succeed, but they're trying to do something different with it. Really interesting. And a new platform from Apple, like just fundamentally a new platform from Apple is a big story too. So that was definitely my favorite. So we will go with the Apple Vision Pro as the winner and we'll put yeah. OpenAI and AI <laughs> as the runner. As the runner's, runners up, up, sure. Uh-huh. Thanks, Upgradians. And we now go to the final category, which is the favorite oh. tech screw-up. Yep. Last year Love was it. Elon Musk buys Twitter. The Upgradians uh-huh. voted. Feeling good. Feeling good about that one. AI pin at 6.3%. OpenAI fires Sam Altman. It's 23.6%. And again, a com- uh-huh. combination of anything related to Elon Musk, Twitter, and X with 36.9% of the vote. Well, I like the idea of the humane AI pin, uh, specifically the introduction, because I do think that was a tech screw-up. We've already given them, you know, another award here. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to not press them for this. But I, that that opening, that marketing video was bad, and they made a lot of mistakes, and I, I, it's kind of baffling and amazing. Um, but for my money... It was almost my favorite tech story of the year, but it's definitely my favorite tech screw up of the year is the whole open AI leadership debacle. Mm-hmm. The we're a nonprofit board. We don't like Sam. We're going to fire Sam. Oh, I reg- regrets uh, investors in open AI saying, what are you doing? Sam Altman being like, I'll, I'm going to start my own company or maybe I'll just bring everybody with me to Microsoft and having them be like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Uh, we'll import an, a new independent board so that we can do this all again in a couple of years, maybe, or not. I don't know. Microsoft will be there, but not on the board, just as an observer, so they get a heads up if something bananas like this happens again. Great. Weird, 
what a weird story. Uh, and in the end, never mind. Never, never mind. Yep. Yeah, for me, like I kind of agree with you. Like as a singular story, this was also my favorite tech story of the year, but the Vision Pro weaved its way throughout the year, which made it like overall a better story to tell. And also, yep. if this wasn't also a screw up, I would have, right? Like because this is a screw yes. up, I knew I could award it here. This was yes. a fascinating thing that happened the initial thing itself was in, was incredibly interesting and weird like firing him and then the twists and turns that occurred uh-huh. over like a seven oh, to ten day period was just like incredible and i don't i cannot remember in my history of being involved in this industry and paying attention to this industry of a company bungling something so badly that like yeah a board performed their role so poorly they were all got rid of they right? and, and like the company the company has taken a reputational hit which was pretty yeah. big and we could look back a year from now and be like oh yeah that was where it changed i don't know what has changed but that could be what we look at and be like oh yeah that was a inflection point or some yeah the meaning meaning of open ai has changed yep. and it might be might be positive might be a negative but it's definitely a, a a change in how we view that company and sam altman and everybody else well he's come a long way from being the looped guy with the pop collars on stage with steve jobs right long long i can never forget that but it's that it's that guy it's sam altman because i wonder him, apparently the thing that i wonder that could have a, a lasting thing is like what do enterprise companies think about Open, open AI now, and or would they now be more willing to just work directly with right. Microsoft and use their the open AI technology right. and but have a what they might consider to be a more reliable, understandable company in its in its stead? I don't know. I don't. So know. if they had if they had fired Sam Altman and then just gone on, um, it might not have been a screw up. Although they would have really been a screw up if they had fired him and then everybody had just left the company and gone to Microsoft. I think that actually would have been a bigger screw up. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been. So there's, there's like, they could have could been, have been in play for yeah. te- favorite tech story, mm-hmm. but the way it worked and it could still be favorite tech story, but just, it was all, why did this happen? I, I just think, yeah, it's a good, it's a good tech screw up. There are lots to choose from in the tech industry this year. So I think OpenAI is our winner and the hu- humane AI pin introduction and Elon slash Twitter slash X are our runners up in this category. Yep. It is actually quite a spectacular achievement from OpenAI that they were able to topple Elon in our minds at least. Yeah. I mean, that that is also just an ongoing screw up that happened starting last year. Yeah. So it just has continued. And I'd say it's just rolling thunder with with Twitter and X, right? Like it, it is not. They, they have not yet had their purely cataclysmic event. Instead, it's more like it just keeps being yeah. that thing that keeps happening. And that's OK. There's next year's upgradies. We got next year's upgradies for whatever happens in 2014 with Elon. Also, for me at this point, I, I don't care. Yeah, right. I hear you. Like, I, I don't care what happens to X at this point. Like, if you're still yeah. using it, I don't, I don't know, man. I just don't. Know what honestly, you're doing. <laughs> honestly, if uh, if threads, my sports like, writers, there, like, just go if, there. If, if, 
if X if if X got shut down, it would be great because all those sports writers people would have to go to Threads, and then I could just read them on Threads. But as it is, I can't assemble that list. It's anymore. happening though, right? Like I know, like it's happening. Yeah, I am starting to follow baseball writers on Threads or Blue Sky. I, I'm starting to put it together. It's just not all there yet. So that may happen in 24. That might I, they might finally drain out of there. Because I know that like Threads is putting money into NBA, like. They're trying to like convince the NBA writers to come over, and that's like a thing that they're doing, sponsoring some NBA stuff, and so like they might do that with more sports. You never know. I know they're doing it with F one a little bit too, because uh, yeah. Charles Leclerc, one of the Ferrari drivers, he has like a a deal with Meta. He's been like in their ads for a while, and they've been getting him to post. I'm building, I'm building my follow list, and at some point I'll do actual proper lists on those other services. They're just not anywhere close to what's still in my old sports list, so. Uh, yeah, give me a reason to delete that bookmark in 2024. That would be great. Thank you so much if you participated in the Upgradies this year. We really appreciate you uh, giving your nominations to us. If you would like to send in your feedback, follow-up, or questions for future episodes, you can always go to UpgradeFeedback.com. You can find Jason at SixColors.com, TheIncomparable.com, and here on Relay FM, where you'll find me, too, on Relay FM. You can check out my work at CortexBrand.com. I was talking about the other social networks. You can find us on Mastodon. Jason is at jsnow on zeppelin.flights, and I am at imike on mike.social. You can find the show as upgrade at relayfm.social. You can watch video clips of the show there and on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, where we are at Upgrade Relay. Uh, I'm on threads. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason has previously said he isn't, but I've been seeing him on threads I'm this there. week. And he is yep, at jsnow, J-S-N-E-L-L. Thank you to I'm our Snell members. Zone. Snell Zone oh. on Blue Sky. Snell Zone on Blue Sky. Are you Sky. really using Snell... Blue Sky? Uh, not that much, but no. a little bit. There's stuff there, but but mostly it's 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 threads, and mm. it really mostly it's Mastodon, but also a little bit of threads on Blue Sky. I just wanted to. I, Blue Sky lets you register as a domain, so I'm Snell.Zone over there, and I just find okay. that hilarious every time I see it. I so mean, there you it could is. do that if you're a, a Blue Sky person. For Mastodon, if you really wanted to, but you shouldn't. Just don't don't do that. Anymore. Well, I, I, I'm using Zeppelin off lights for that, so mm-hmm. that's that's what I got. Thank you to our members and supporters of Upgrade Plus. You can get longer ad-free versions of the show, including this one, by going to getupgradeplus.com. Thank you to those that do that. Thank you to our sponsors of this episode, Vitaly Factor, Text Expander, and Electric. We'll be back next time with the Upgrade Holiday Special. Until then, oh yeah, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Have a good week, everybody, but don't miss that Christmas Day episode. Woo! It's... Something. It's coming. It's coming. Bye, Mike. See you later. <laughs>